Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. Don't you love this verse, John 7, 38? Jesus said, He who believes in me from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You know, I just believe that we should be the most joyful, happy people on the planet. And I know we go through difficulties. I know we face trials and we have hard times. This past week has been a battle. <laughs> it seems like Cheryl and I have been beat up. You ever feel like you had a week of battle? It's like everything goes crazy. And, you know, I had that hemiplegic migraine a few months ago where the whole, it mimics. Well, I had another one of those migraines, ended up in the ER. It was, it, I mean, it's crazy. You, you just feel like you're, uh, it's, it's super scary. And Cheryl's dealing with a tummy ailment, and Ross and Donna are sick, and other people. So we need to lift each other up in prayer, amen? amen. It's very important to do that. All right, Leviticus, we're still in chapter 10, and we're going to actually do part two to what we started last week, the good, the bad, and the holy. And if you remember last week, we got into really what it means for the priests and for us as royal priests to differentiate between the secular and the sacred, right? The holy and the unholy. All of these things, it's so important. We found that priests, one of their main jobs was to determine what is good and what is bad. And we found in three areas. If you remember the first one, we discern between the holy and the profane. That's the sacred and the secular. Now, it's interesting to note that just because it's secular doesn't mean it's bad. Do you know that? You know, uh, Fox News is secular, but I watch it. It doesn't mean it's bad to watch it. Going to a restaurant might not be holy. It might not be sacred. It might be secular, but just because it's secular doesn't mean it's bad. Amen? So the next part of discernment that we have is distinguishing between light and darkness, and that's between good and bad. Whether it's sacred or or uh, secular, there are some good things. Do you know there are sacred things that we couldn't, we shouldn't do? God doesn't want us to do. Do you know that? Teaching Sunday school would we call that sacred? Sure, that's a, a honoring God honoring thing. But if God has not called you to teach Sunday school, if you're not anointed by God, it would be wrong for you to do so. Does that make sense? And so even the sacred and the secular. In both of those realms, we need to differentiate or discern between what is good and bad for us. Amen? Some people can do this. It's good. Some other people shouldn't do that. It's bad if they do. Amen? All right. So the next one we differentiate between is clean and unclean. And that's just what's healthy or unhealthy. So clean, healthy pizza. I mean, uh, <laughs> vegetables. Unhealthy, probably pizza, unless you put sardines on it. That's what I hear. Okay. All right. So these things we determine for us and our families, what is really healthy, what's beneficial, or what's really detrimental and unhealthy. Amen? So in all three of these spheres, we need to ask God for discernment 
in discerning between sacred, secular, holy, profane, light, darkness, good, bad, clean, unclean. Amen? All right, so we need to be discerning people. Flip, if you would, to Ephesians, if you have your Bibles. If not, it's up on the uh, board. You can read it up there on some kind of technology. It's kind of cool, you know, you can project images up there. <laughs> By the way, my phone, Pastor Chris, yeah. it's like a pocket computer. I think it does everything. I, know. I it's and, and there's a little lady in there, Siri. Sometimes I ask her questions, and she goes, hey, it's, just I'll be back with you in a little bit. I'm busy right now. Siri ever tell you that? It's like, what are you doing in there? You know, she's doing something in my phone when she gets busy. It's it's amazing. Ephesians chapter five, starting at verse three. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly, literally foolish talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience." You see, the Bible throughout is giving us the tools to be able to recognize between the sacred and the secular, the good and the bad, the holy and the profane. Amen? That's one of the reasons we study the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Therefore, do not be partakers with them. The next verse. Don't even sit down at their table. What fellowship does light with darkness or the table of demons with the table of the Lord? There is none. And that's being unequally yoked. And we talked about that a little bit last week. Verse 8. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Live your life as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what? It's up there. What is pleasing to the Lord? Ultimately, we ask God for wisdom and discernment and guidance in our life because we want to live lives that are pleasing to our Holy Father. Amen? We have a Heavenly Father that loves us. By the way, just the way we are. Even when we sin, He loves us. Isn't that amazing? Christ came and died for who? The righteous? No, the unrighteous, the sinners, the, the ones that needed him. Verse 11, the next verse. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. Discerning between holy and profane, sacred and secular, all of these things, that's what the Word of God does. It equips us. It illuminates our hearts. So the next verse, he says, but all these things become visible when they're exposed by the light. What's the light? Can we say this? The Word of God illuminates all of these things, gives us the ability to discern. For this reason, it says, awake sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you, that hound of heaven the Holy Spirit. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time for the days are evil. I believe Christians are lacking in the area of discernment. Have you noticed that? Even full denominations are rejecting the clear teaching for the word, of the Word of God and pursuing things that are an abomination to God. 
And they not only pursue it, but they put their stamp of approval on it, like ordaining certain people. What is discernment? Discernment, if I was going to give it a definition, is intentionally becoming aware of the difference between the sacred and the secular, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean. Discernment involves sifting through choices and even the voices that you hear. Any of you hear voices? See Randy after church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right, Randy? <right? laughs> are, you, are you at Saddleback now? Uh, no, 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 Memorial. Oh, St. Joe's. Ah, that's right. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, we need the discernment of the Holy Spirit. Just because you have a hunch or intuition or you kind of feel like this is the right thing, should you just follow that? Oh, no, you need discernment. You need to question it. You need to sift through and ask God to give you wisdom. Amen? John 16, 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's the Holy Spirit. Discernment in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. For you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food, oh, belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of the use of their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. Last week, uh, Mark, our worship leader's wife, was here, and she's an occupational therapist. So she educated me that there are more than just five senses. How many of you knew that? Mike did. Of course, he's an attorney. He is a well-educated red man. <laughs> but I didn't know that. There's two more senses besides just the five, and we're going to talk about those in a minute. I had to call Mark and Lori last night. It's like, what were those words again? <laughs> uh. All seven human senses have spiritual counterparts. First one is taste. And throughout the Bible, it says, oh, taste and see what? That the Lord is good. Man, take my word and put it into your mouth. As you chew it, it'll be sweet as honey. But man, when he pronounces judgment as it gets to your stomach, oh, it's going to be sour. But First Peter 2, 2, it says, like newborn babes, oh, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If you have what? Tasted the kindness of the Lord. It's the whole idea of tasting, of relishing that the Lord is good and his kindness endures evermore. He loves you. And all this week, for some reason, the Lord really just said, tell my kids I love them. Isn't that weird? And I'm like, okay, we have a seasoned group of Christians. They know that you love them, God. <laughs> he goes, remind them. I love them. I love their children. I love everything about them. And even when they fall, I'm there to pick them up. Amen? So good. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Hearing, what about that? Throughout the Bible, it says, man, he who has an ear, let him what? Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We need to listen to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 55.3, it says, Incline your ear and come to me. Listen 
that you may live in every letter to the seven churches in Revelation. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's that discernment, that hearing that comes from the uh, Word of God. All right. Our next sense is sight. And throughout the Bible, man, even in the book of Revelation, man, buy eye salve so that you might see. You blind and short-sighted people. Throughout, it's that spiritual idea of seeing what? The ability to discern between what's God and what's not, what's good and what's evil. Ephesians 1.18, it says, Man, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Smell, man, throughout the Bible, Man, we do good deeds, and what does God say? Man, it's a fragrant aroma rising up before me. When you love people unconditionally. Man, your prayers are what? Sweet incense that rise up before the throne of God. Feeling Ephesians. Why don't we turn there? Chapter 4, starting in verse 17. I will need my glasses for this. <laughs> oh, boy. Ephesians. Remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, chapter 4, starting at verse 17. And we read this. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their heart. And they have become callous and have given themselves over to sensuality. What did they become callous to? The voice of the Lord. Our conscience, you see, is the Holy Spirit in every man, woman, and child that's born on this planet. God places his law. He gives them a conscience, and he gives them the ability to discern between right and wrong. Amen? It's a natural-born thing. So eventually they get to the point, and they're like, I shouldn't take little Johnny's candy bar because that's his and that's not mine, right? They learn, okay, that's wrong. That's, and the conscience begins. But the more you practice sin, what happens to your conscience? Oh, it becomes calloused. Oh, you no longer feel. You no longer have the ability to feel. I love it when I used to play guitar a little bit and I developed, Mark, those calluses and Scott on my fingers because before that, what happened? It hurts. Have you ever played the guitar? Man, when you first pick it up, after like a half hour of practice, your fingers are literally, oh, man, they hurt. But once you get those calluses, you can't even feel it anymore. Oh, so many people are so calloused to the things of God and the voice of the Lord that they never hear his still small voice. Continue on. Verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on a new self, which is in the likeness of God, having been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry 
yet do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Oh, he who steals must steal no more, but rather must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one in need. Verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. How, how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? Disobeying God's word, or when he's trying to get you to do something or not do something, and you ignore that still small voice. You grieve the Holy Spirit when you do that. The still small voice of God. Verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. You see, there are certain people that I know that the character quality of who they are, the fruit of their life is good. They walk in the room, and I know, man, they're going to build me up. We're going to talk about the Lord. It's a joy to be with them. And I know other people that the qualities that they have in their life are bad fruit. You know what I'm talking about? The Bible says bad company does what? Corrupts good morals. You see, that's why it's so important, you parents, that you have your kids have Christian friends. Friends that are going to love God. That are going to look out for your son or your daughter. It's super important. So what are those other senses? <laughs> I just skipped them. No, I didn't skip them. There we go. Last week, Lori taught us the two senses that I, I really didn't know about. You know, I, I, I practice them all the time. First one is proprioception. How do you like that word? Proprioception. Proprioception is awareness of where you are, your body in space. It's your balance, your equilibrium, it's automatic, and it's subconscious. You know, I, uh, in Psalm 139, 14, it says, man, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, God established those systems, those subconscious systems that give us the ability to walk and play sports and do all these things. And Christ holds all things together. In him we do what? Live and move and have our being. And that's the next one, kinesthesia. And that's perception of movement and doing sports or moving in any way, dancing, jumping, whatever. This is learned in practice, but eventually it becomes muscle memory and it becomes subconscious. Are you with me? So uh, kinesthesia is the movement you do when you're learning like uh, Taekwondo, like Pastor Chris and Saul, they do Taekwondo. Don't mess with them. You know, Chris is like a fourth degree black belt board breaking, fourth degree, right? Oh, third degree black belt. You know, once you get up to third degree, does it really matter? It's like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. I guess it does. Pastor Brett, the truth of the matter is that when Saul and I spar, I'm afraid of her. Because she never stops. You know, so. I, I'm afraid of my wife, too. Yeah, don't, don't tell her I said that. But, yeah, why is that? Because we were taught you can't hit a woman. So, <laughs> 
No, right. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. I'm yes. All of these things, God fearfully and wonderfully made us. Amen? And we need to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to be fruit inspectors. Amen? That's discernment. In Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 15, Christ gave us this exhortation. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are what? Ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit. Every bad tree bears get bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. And every tree that doesn't bear fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. So what is that fruit? You'll know them by their fruits. We know what it is. First of all, there's two types of wisdom, right? James chapter 3, verse 13 and by the way, James is the book that Pastor Chris Brunt is going to be starting this Tuesday night. We're excited to get into James. It's one of those books that, it's a hard book. You know what I mean? It's a, it, it calls you out. Hey, man, you say you have faith? Well, show me your works. <laughs> show me what? Your fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. Hey, who among you is wise and understanding? James chapter 3, verse 13. Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy or selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not which comes down from above, but is earthy, natural, even demonic, he says. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above, the fruit that we should have is what? Pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those that make peace. The fruit in Galatians chapter 5, and Pastor Chris, you alluded to this, the fruit of the Spirit. Deeds of the flesh, their fruit is evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, we already read self-centeredness, right? Narcissism, all of that is fruit of the flesh. Sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, oh, that's what we need to be displaying. Man, why do I always talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Because I'm still working on it. Any of you got it perfect yet? <laughs> I know we all have it. <laughs> yeah, we need it so desperately. Man, it's love. Sometimes it's hard to love people. Joy. Sometimes it's hard to be joyful. Peace. Man, sometimes in the busyness of life, I lack that peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Man, if we could bottle that and sell it, man, if you drink this, you're going to have all that fruit in your life. You would be a billionaire. Well, all we got to do is run to the Lord. Ask him, Lord, man, 
Give me the fruit of your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit. And he will, like the balm of Gilead. But some things are hard to discern. What in your life have you ever said, hmm, I wonder if I should do this or not do that. Lord, what do you think? Do you ask him? How do you discern it? We need the gift of discernment. Paul gives us four litmus tests. Remember last week? We covered those real quick. I just want to go over them. One, don't be mastered by anything. Remember, he said, man, I have freedom to do all things, but I will be mastered by none. What do we call that? Addiction? Mm -hmm. Don't let anything become your master. Don't become a slave to anything. If this thing is going to make you a slave to it, get rid of it. Amen? I remember when I first went into ministry, 1985, right? I had never golfed a day in my life. I grew up playing football and racing motocross and hunting and shooting and backpacking. And the senior pastor of the church said, every Monday we golf. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Okay. And they bought me golf clubs and clothes. You had to dress, you know, just all. And... Uh, it was one of those name it and claim it prosperity churches. You ever hear of those? Where everyone should be a billionaire. And if you're not, you're, you're, you're lacking faith. <laughs> so unfortunately, it was one of those churches. So, but all of a sudden, I got sucked into golf. Any of you ever golf? Okay. All right. Well, the next thing I know, I was eating, drinking, practicing golf. I lived to golf. That benign activity became my master. Amen? I had to get rid of it. It's like, I, I, no, I'm, I'm done. I can't golf with you. I won't do it. Anything be, can become your master or an idol. Number two, don't be a stumbling block. If the thing you're going to do is going to cause someone to stumble, don't do it. Now remember, Paul in, in, in context was talking about food and, and wine sacrificed to idols. And he said, man, if you go into that idol's temple and eat, you're free to do it. But if it's going to cause someone to stumble, don't eat or drink. Are you with me? Okay, that's what it was. Number three, will it bring glory to God? Is the thing that I'm discerning between doing either this or that, if I do it, will it honor and bring glory to God. And number four, don't be bound together with unbelievers. Is this going to cause me to come into an unholy alliance where I am going to be bound with an unbeliever? And by the way, what does that do? Why does, why does the Bible say don't be bound together? Bad company corrupts good morals. That, that, that's the whole idea. But, and the idea is this. Hey, when you're pleasing to God, guess what he does? The windows of heaven open up, and he pours out his blessing on your life. Amen? If someone is not pleasing to God, can he bless them? Oh, no. Oh, no. They're of their father who? The devil. 
The whole world lies on his plan. What fellowship has the table of demons with the Lord's table? There's none. Light and darkness. That's why it says don't be bound together. So is it going to cause that? The Holy Spirit leads and guides us. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 21. And we read this last week. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. That ever happened to you? At a stoplight, turns green, and a voice says, don't go. And all of a sudden, a car blazes through, running the red light. Had you gone, you would have been T-boned. Often, the Lord speaks that still small voice, leading and guiding us. Discerning between the good, the bad, and the holy, we depend on the gift of discernment from the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Spirit, our conscience that every man, woman, and child on the planet has is energized by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? And we immediately begin to get that gift of discernment. We depend on the word of God to speak to us. And we measure literally everything by this standard. Not by societal standards, by this standard. This book will stand until all things are complete. And we observe the fruit of people. Hmm. We make sure our choices don't enslave us. We make sure our choices do not displease God or cause another to stumble or puts us in compromising positions. We need to learn discernment. We need to learn how to discern God's will in our life. Ephesians 5.8, we read it already. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Man, that fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. You see, God loves us even when we displease him. You parents, when your kids do things that you told them not to do, you might be angry, but you still love them. Amen? Yeah. You might be frustrated. It all comes down to making right choices in everything we do. 2 Corinthians 5.9, it says, Therefore we have also as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear, we were talking about this before the service, the judgment seat of Christ, the bema seat of Christ in the Greek, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Oh, at this judgment, we're not going to go to hell. It's not a salvation judgment, but all of our works are going to be judged. And you'll have wood, hand, stubble that'll burn up, or gold, precious stones that'll be purified by the fire. Mm. Sometimes discerning between good and bad is difficult. And we need to learn how to ask God and hear his voice to make the right choices. Amen? Do you think God cares about little choices? Oh, yeah. Big choices, little choices. He cares. Discerning God's will. Have you ever been aroused from a good night's sleep with a song on your heart? This one morning, I had this song on my heart, and it was, I see the Lord seated on the throne. You know, I see the Lord seated on the throne, exalted in the train of his robe. And I was singing that as I woke up. How glorious is that? And it's like, this is going to be a great day. <laughs> I'm singing a praise song in my sleep. I love that. My first conscious thought was singing that song. And as I lay there, man, I just had sweet fellowship with the Lord. 
Before I get out of bed, usually I lay there and pray for my wife, pray for my son, thank God for life and health, pray for the church, pray for you all. As I got up that morning and thank God for the church and my family and our little condo that he blessed us with that we've been living in for 21 years. Isn't that great? 21 years in a little condo. Huh. I love it. I was filled with joy. And I had that sweet communion with the Lord. Do you ever have that? I mean, where you really feel the presence of the Lord. Got up to do my devotions. And back then, uh, we would still had newspaper delivered. Remember when Orange County did the special? It was like something crazy, like five bucks a month, and you got paper every day on Sunday, and you know, or two fifty a month. It was so cheap. So I got the newspaper, made coffee, got my coffee, put the Bible down next to my newspaper, and I noticed this article. Maybe you read it. Do you remember when this question was asked? Would Jesus drive an SUV? Anyone remember that? Okay, all right. And I begin to ponder that, you know, as I teach Bible college and, and all of that, I'd be, well, well hmm, I wonder if Jesus would drive an SUV. What would he drive? What would it be like if Jesus walked the earth now in the 21st century? Would he have a cell phone or a flip phone? I'd like to think he'd have a flip phone. <laughs> or would he even have a phone? And I began to think, man, what would Jesus do if he were here? Man, I was lost in a philosophical and biblical journey into ascertaining the ethical uh, values and decisions Christ would make if he lived on this planet today. And I was pondering and meditating and thinking, and all of a sudden I was interrupted in my thought with a thought that came from God. You ever have that happen? Now, sometimes when God speaks to me, it's not audible, but it's like an original thought that pops in your head that's not from you. And as I was pondering, what would Jesus do? Remember WWJD? I used to wear the band. What would Jesus do? You know, I want to know what Jesus would do. God said, it's not what would Jesus do, it's what would Jesus say to you? You see, the idea is this. If Jesus were here right now, how would he answer that question? It's as if Jesus said to me, hey, instead of guessing what I might do, why don't you just ask me? And really, I was speechless. It's one of those moments that you know God is speaking to you. And all of a sudden, it's like it was so clear you don't need to ask what I would do and speculate and try to come up with an answer. You need to ask me what I want you to do. Does that make sense? Totally different thing. It makes it personal. God began to speak to me very clearly. The idea is this. You can speculate and guess what Jesus would do if he were here, but it doesn't bring you any closer to Christ. We should be asking, what would Jesus say to me right now if he could speak? What would his message be to me? What would his message be to my son, my family, the church? 
to Donald Trump. John 10, 27, Christ said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You see, we need to develop that intimacy with the Lord. Amen? One of the seven letters to the seven churches, in Revelation 3, 20, Jesus said, Man, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and have koinonia, sweet fellowship with you, and you with me. Jesus' desires is to lead and guide us in every decision. He wants to communicate to us. He wants us to hear that still small voice. The major decisions, including the minor decisions, the Lord wants to be involved in your life. Yet so many Christians give him the silent treatment. James chapter 4, starting in verse 13. It says, Come now you, say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, what you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this and also do that. Now, what that is inferring is this. God has a plan for your life, right? He has a plan and a will for your life, and he will communicate that plan to your life. If it's your will, oh man, then I'll go to this city. I'll move here. I'll do that. So it shouldn't be, what would Jesus do? It really should be, what would Jesus say to you personally today? Amen? Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 9. Why don't we turn there really quick? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Just before the tea books. Colossians chapter 1, starting verse 9. And we'll read through verse 14. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, and to ask that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. How do we do that? By God speaking to us. By that still small voice speaking to our hearts. What he's praying there is, we pray that the Holy Spirit would break through the hardness of your heart, and you would be filled with the knowledge of his will for your life, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might and for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who qualified us to share in the inheritance of light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Amen? We discern light from darkness because we are children of light. God wants to give you wisdom and direction this morning in the little decisions and the big decisions. Where you're going to retire, how long you're going to live here, 
Everything you do, he will show you and guide you and give you his will. Amen? So let me ask you a question. We're going to wrap up a little early this morning. Do you include God in the decisions of your life? Do you ask God for discernment? You say, Lord, should I do this or should I do that? And wait and listen to that still small voice and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The more we ask God questions and give him the opportunity to respond, the more we will hear from God. You will get to know God, and God loves you so much. All week long, the Lord just kept, as I prayed about the message, you know, it's like, man, I want, I want my kids, I want to be involved in their lives. You know, I could see God up there just saying, I love them. I want to be involved. I want them to come to me when they're hurt, when they have problems. I want them to ask me for direction. If God was here right now, he'd be saying, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down. I know when you rise up. The verses are up there. I'm familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs of your head are numbered, for you are made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring, my child. I knew you even before you were conceived. You were not a mistake, for all the days of your life are written in my book. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb, and I'm not a distant and angry God, but I'm the complete expression of what love is. I love you, my child, and it's my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father, for I'm the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes down from my hand. I'm a provider and I'll meet your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope. Because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand of the seashore. And I rejoice over you with singing. I love that verse, Zephaniah 3.17. Oh man, it's such a great verse. I will never stop doing good to you. For you are my treasured possession, the apple of my eye, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I'll grant you the desires of your heart. For it is I that gave you those desires. I'm able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I'm your greatest encourager. God would say, I'm your biggest fan. God would say, I love you. I love you, my child. I'm also the father who comforts you through all the trials of life. When you're brokenhearted, I'm close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I've carried you close to my heart through every hard time you've faced. I've been right there with you. One day I'll wipe every tear from your eyes. I'll take all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your father and I love you even as I love my son, Jesus. 
For in Jesus, my love is revealed. He is my gift of love to you. He came to demonstrate that I am for you and not against you. And to tell you that I am not counting your sins against you. He paid for them on the cross. Jesus brought reconciliation between you and I. The Lord says. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. He gave up everything and I gave up everything in giving him to you to demonstrate my love. If you receive the gift of Christ, you receive me and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. Man, when one sinner repents, the angels in heaven throw a party, rejoice. Isn't that amazing? One time I preached a sermon, we want to make heaven a party place. You know, because the, every time we repent, every time we lead someone to the Lord, a party breaks out in heaven. It's amazing. As Christians, we hear the voice of the Lord. You ever uh, tried to call sheep? Anybody? Okay, so uh, remember we started some Bible colleges in Ireland. And these uh, pastors flew Cheryl and I over there. And we found these this flock of sheep in this green field in Ireland. And it's like, I just, I, we just want to touch it right? And so we, we come up, there was no fence. You know, they were right there. We just pulled on the side of the road. Here, sheepy. <laughs> you know, how do you, and, and, and we tried to sneak and they would not get near us. And the shepherd was up on the hill and he yelled something. I forget even what he said. And all the sheep went to that shepherd. I mean, just like that. It's like, wow, that was amazing. Christ says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Psalm 95, 6 says, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. You know the song? Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you would hear his voice, how does that end? Do not harden your hearts. You see, a lot of Christians have hard hearts. They're callous. This morning, the Lord says, soften your heart to me. I love you. I want to lead and guide you. I want to care for you as the good shepherd. Romans chapter 8, 37 through 39. We're almost ready to bring it to a conclusion. Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, self-driving cars, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. He loves you this morning like you can never know. And I want to end with this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. What does the Lord want us to do? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Don't quench the Holy Spirit as he tries to lead and guide you. But be obedient. Don't despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. What's this? Have discernment. Hey, choose between the sacred and the secular. 
the holy and the profane, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean. Examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, wash you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's my prayer for you. I know that's God's desire for all of us. Faithful is he who called you. He's going he's gonna to bring it to pass. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Amen? And that's in your kids too. And trust them to a holy God. Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week.